Well, this morning I am excited because we are going to continue uh, our series entitled Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And my prayer uh, is that over the last few weeks, I hope that you've really went deeper in understanding your relationship with God the Father, God the Son, through the person of the Holy Spirit. We said that the heartbeat really of this entire series is really just about that. It's how do we cultivate a transformational relationship with God the Father, Jesus the Son, through the person of the Holy Spirit. And as we were talking earlier during communion, you know, I'm so thankful that I can look back on my life and I can see where God has brought me from. How many of you can look? I can look back and I can see where God has brought me from, but I also can look ahead and see that God has more to do in my life. There is still more change that God wants to bring in my life. God wants to continually transform us into the image and likeness of Jesus. And we said the Bible word for transformation is sanctification. It's being set apart for the purpose and the glory of God and daily becoming more of who God has called us to be. And so my prayer during this entire series is that we're going to really cultivate that, that we're going to tap in to that transformational power of God through a real relationship. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with God. And how many of you know the most challenging things and the most exciting things in our lives are relationships. And we've said this many times here at Liberty Church, your greatest joys and your greatest sorrows can always be connected to a relationship. And here's the revelation. The revelation is God is inviting us into a relationship. He's inviting us into this thing called knowing Him and being known by Him and being transformed as we grow in that grace and knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and what He came to do in our lives and how He works in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 has been our foundational scripture. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And we have focused in on the fact that it is through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that we experience the grace of God. It is through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that we experience the love of God. And it is through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that we tap into what God really has for our lives. So last week we talked uh, about how that Jesus in John chapter 16, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And we talked about how last week how that That without the Holy Spirit, we said without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for us to receive and understand the things of God because the Bible says the things of God are spiritually discerned. Salvation is not an intellectual decision, it's a spiritual decision. Transformation is not just an intellectual decision, it is a spiritual decision that happens as we respond to the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then last week we talked about how that the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth, we said there's three things he does. He, number one, he leads us. How many glad that we're not on this thing, on this journey all by ourselves, that he is there to lead us and guide us into all truth. We said that he also, according to Jesus, he speaks to us, that we can actually hear the voice of God. God's voice is not reserved for just a few special people that have this amazing grace on them. God speaks to his children. Jesus actually said it this way. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And if you're born again believer, then you have the capacity to hear the voice of God through the person 
of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit speaks. And then the last thing, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would tell us or show us things to come. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit reveals to us not only prophetically things that he's doing in the earth, but strategically things that he's prepared for our lives so that we can prepare today for what he's revealed about tomorrow. And so this morning, we're going to kind of continue to dive a little deeper. And I'm just going to be honest with you. We're going to look in John chapter 14. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Or if you're following along on the app or the Version Bible app, you can follow on along there with us also. But John chapter 14, we're going to look at what Jesus says again about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be honest with you. When we started this series four weeks ago, uh, I had a lot of thoughts and ideas and images about teaching about the Holy Spirit. There are so many scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit, and nothing that we've talked about was what I imagined. (laughs) And what I've loved about where God has taken us is that every week we have literally just looked at the words of Jesus. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Because sometimes the concept of the Holy Spirit being a personal part of our life, being God and being involved in our lives, sometimes people get confused, they get messed up, they get a little little pushback when it comes to the idea of really embracing the Holy Spirit. And what I love about what God has done is that every week we have just read the words of Jesus and allowed Jesus himself to define for us who the Holy Spirit is, the work of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can respond to him. So John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus is speaking, most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now let me just pause there for just a second, because in John 16, Jesus clarifies that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And in John 14, Jesus is introducing the idea again that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. But in John 14, Jesus identifies the Holy Spirit not just as the Spirit of truth. He says, but if I go away, I will send to you another helper. So the Holy Spirit is not just the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is our helper. So let's finish reading that scripture. He says, The spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Right? Because salvation is not an intellectual decision. It is a spiritual decision. He says, But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Now, Jesus made that last statement, and he will be in you because the Holy Spirit, because the disciples had not yet received the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was with them, but the Spirit of God at this time was not living on the inside of him. That's that born-again experience that we have in Christ where God begins to live in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. How good is that? Come on, somebody. He says, but he will be in you, verse 18, and I will not leave you orphans, But I will come to you. So look at that first point on your outline. So the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is our helper. 
And this word in the Greek really has three unique meanings. As a matter of fact, you'll find it throughout the New Testament interpreted in three different ways. One of the meanings of the word helper is it literally means one who helps. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk today about how the Holy Spirit helps us, how he comes alongside us and helps us do the things that God has called us to do. The word also means one who intercedes. So let me just go ahead and prime the pump just a little bit. How many of you in the room today could say, Pastor Keith, boy, I could really use a little help in ramping up my prayer life. Anybody like me? I can honestly say, man, I love the Word of God, and I love to pray, and I love to worship, and I love to minister. But I can honestly say that probably one area of my life that I always feel like I need a little help with is in the area of prayer, right? Taking my prayer life to the next level, moving out of just a religious religious ritual of praying the right words and moving into a life-giving exchange with God that changes things. Come on, somebody. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit helps us to intercede. He's going to ramp up your prayer life because you have a divine helper named the Holy Spirit who wants to help you in the area of intercession. And then last but not least, that word help, helper also means one who comforts. How many know life's hard? Come on, somebody. We're going to be doing a funeral today at 3 o'clock here at the church for the Wade family. And how many, how many of you recognize that any time you bury your daughter, it's a bad day? And we need the comfort of God. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to see in a couple weeks is we're going to dive into that realization that the Holy Spirit helps us because he is our comforter, we're going to recognize how the Holy Spirit comforts us in times of trouble and tribulation and how that he empowers us, he helps us to endure. Let me just say, one of the biggest things you're going to have to learn and overcome, or let me just re rephrase it, one of the greatest transformational moments in your life is the moment you learn to allow grief and sorrow and pain to drive you to God instead of away from God. And the Holy Spirit helps us process the grief and sorrows of life as the comforter so that we can be drawn closer. So think about that. If you can learn how to take the tragedies of life and those tragedies become a catapult that move you closer to God, then that means the worst thing the devil can throw at you is going to launch you deeper into your relationship with God. You talk about turning the tide on the devil. You talk about taking away any advantage that he has when he throws hell and high water at you. Guess what? Through the work of the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the hell and high water of Satan becomes a catapult that launches me further and deeper into what God intends for my life. That's powerful. That's in two weeks. Here we are today. Let's talk about the first part. So the Holy Spirit... Next point is our helper. So let's talk about the fact that he is the one who helps us, who comes alongside us. So the Holy Spirit is the helper, not the doer. The Holy Spirit is the helper, not the doer. 
Now, I was praying this morning, preparing for uh, the message today, and, and the Lord just reminded me of a couple things. He reminded me of when my kids were little, but more importantly, recently, he reminded me of my grandsons, specifically Xander and Jude. Xander's three years old, Jude is two years old. They're the oldest of the grandsons. And, and the Lord just reminded me of how they want to do things they're not really capable of doing. Right? They want to slam dunk the basketball goal. They want to ride the bicycle even though they can't touch the pedals. They want to turn on the light switch and pull the thing on the ceiling fan so they can watch it go around and around and around because when your little boy doesn't take much to entertain you. And the Lord reminded me how that my grandsons want to do a lot of stuff they are not capable of doing, and God gave them a papa. That's me. And Papa's job is to help them do things they can't do. So then they want to slam dunk the basketball goal, Papa helps them, picks them up, and they slam the goal. When they want to ride the bicycle, I put them on it, their feet don't even touch the pedal, and I wear myself out running around the yard. Why? Because they, I want to help them do what they want to do. When they want to turn on the fan and watch it spin around, I hold them over there, and we pull the switch. You know why? Because Papa... Papa's their helper. And God's given us a helper. Because God wants you to do things you can't do. God wants you to accomplish things you can't accomplish. God wants you to reach people you can't reach. God wants you to, to, to do things that are impossible. We just sung about it in the flesh. But they're possible by the Spirit. And God has given us the Holy Spirit as our helper. He's not the doer. My grandsons have got to slam the ball. They've got to hold on to the bike. They've got to pull the string on the ceiling fan. They are the one doing the work. I'm just helping them do what they're not strong enough, what they're not big enough, what they're not capable of doing in their flesh. I help them do what they can't do. Why? Because I'm a helper. And the Holy Spirit is your helper. He wants to help you do the things God has called you to do. And you know this here at Liberty Church. You know that every Christian, I believe according to Scripture, number one, we are called to do what Jesus did. Let me just, let me give you a revelation today. You do not get to define Christianity. Jesus did that. Jesus defined Christianity. See, we live in a crazy world where we say, well, you know, Pastor Keith, we have a modern Christianity today. There's no such thing as a modern Christianity. There is Christianity or it's not Christianity. There is Jesus or it's not Jesus. There's no middle ground. And you need to understand, you don't get to define what Christianity looks like. Well, this is how I live my Christian life. Well, if you're not living like Jesus lived, then you're not living a Christian life you don't get to define it Jesus did Jesus was the perfect example the perfect standard he was the one that set what it looks like to live a Christian life because he was Christ the anointed one 
And so here's what we've got to recognize. Every Christian, I believe this according to Scripture, according to Jesus' life, every Christian is called to win souls, make disciples, and destroy the works of the devil. Every Christian is called to win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the devil. Why? Because Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He gave us the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And the Bible says in 1 John that for this purpose he was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Everywhere Jesus went, he was went. He was reaching people, he was discipling people, and he was setting people free. And that's Christianity. And that's what me and you are called to do. Now let me just take it a little step further because this is where it gets exciting. So in the context of winning souls, making disciples, destroying the works of the devil, God has uniquely shaped you for ministry. God has uniquely shaped you for life. And there are some unique expressions on how you're going to win souls, how you're going to make disciples, how you're going to destroy the works of the devil. And God has uniquely formed and fashioned you that way. And you are called to do the things that God has called you to do. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to help you do the things that are bigger than you. And let me just say this to you today. If, if you are not living a Christian life that is beyond your natural ability, then you're living in the flesh. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, make a confession to you today as your pastor. I am always over my head. I'm always over my head. Liberty Church is always doing things I've never done. We're always reaching people I've never reached. We're always going places I've never gone. We're always attempting things we've never attempted. We're always pushing for things we've never pushed for before. And I'm always out of my zone. I'm always over my head, and I love it. You know why? Because when I do what Jesus said to do, and I do it in a place of faith and obedience to the life and model of Jesus and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, God will do what I can't do. The Holy Spirit will breathe on it. The Holy Spirit will electrify it. The Holy Spirit will glorify the name of Jesus in the works of our flesh in obedience to God. And so we want to live our lives that way. And so we recognize the Holy Spirit is the helper, not the doer. Think about this. His presence spiritually gives us power. Our presence physically, let me just give you a little theological discussion for just a moment. Our presence physically gives us authority on the earth, and we are laborers together in the kingdom of God. So Jesus, think about this. Let me, let me just read it to you. First John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh, and the Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus in the beginning was the Word, right? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. That was Jesus. Every Bible scholar will tell you that is Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. And in the beginning, the Word was Spirit. And then the Word became flesh. God is spirit, the Bible says. But God in Jesus became flesh, was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin, and was born as a baby in a manger. Why? Why did Jesus have to become flesh in order to redeem humanity from the power of sin and self and Satan? Jesus had to become flesh because in the genesis of time, God gave Adam and Eve authority on the earth. 
God gave them authority as mankind to rule and reign on the earth. And when Adam sinned, Adam forfeited his authority and gave the devil, who is now the prince of the power of the air, whom Jesus said, or the Bible says, is the God of this world. Now Satan came into authority and dominion on the earth because of Adam's sin and rebellion against God. Intended for humanity to bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that was a whole lot, and you ought to go home and dive into that. Amen? So you ought to go home and dive a little deeper into that. So when Jesus, think about this, Jesus redeemed us, and now we are, guess what we are? We are citizens of two worlds. Because of my flesh, I now have authority on the earth as mankind to speak into the culture. I have the opportunity as a man and as a woman, you ladies do, to, to operate in the earth because we have authority on the earth because we're mankind. But when you got born again, you became a citizen of heaven. And so now because of my citizenship in heaven, I have the power of God. I've now been redeemed by God. And now I have the authority to do what Jesus did on the earth as in heaven. Now, the last presidential election, there may be some debate about whether this happened or not. But how many of you know legally, naturally, in the natural realm, in order for you to be able to vote, you've got to be a citizen. Illegal immigrants do not have the, quote, right to vote because they're not a citizen of the country. You can have a voice, but unless you're a citizen, you don't have a vote. The same is true in the kingdom. God honors authority. If you read your Bible, you recognize God always honors authority. He honors the authority of the husband and the family. He honors governmental authority in the world that we're living in. He honors the authorities of heaven. He honors authority. And so we recognize something that as a man, I have authority. As human beings, you have authority on the earth. You have a voice and you have a vote. You have influence and you have impact in this world. And now, because of what Jesus has done, you've been born again. And now you have the power of God on earth as in heaven so you can do what Jesus did. So now you have the right and the might. You have the authority and the power to operate as an ambassador and a representative of Jesus Christ in the earth. You have a voice and a vote. And you can change things. How many know you can change things? And, and, and here, here's the challenge. Let me, let me read another scripture to you, and then we're gonna, I'm gonna get, I want to make a statement to you this morning. So listen, listen to our next scripture, 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 says this, Paul's speaking, I have planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Why? Because we are laborers together with God. We work with God. The Holy Spirit is not the doer. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He helps us do the things God has called us to do. He helps us bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He helps us to do the work that God has called us to do. And we are laborers together. I can't do God's part, but God won't do my part. That's why Jesus, look with me in Matthew chapter 9. This scripture has just come alive to me in the last, 
last probably the last four or five weeks, and I've shared some of it with you. But look at Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will bring in the harvest. Is that what it said? Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth what? Laborers into the harvest field. I always read that scripture and I thought, Lord, that just seems weird. If you're the Lord of the harvest, why don't you bring in the harvest? You're the Lord of the harvest. Why don't you bring in the harvest? And God says, I will through laborers. Because man has authority on earth to bring in the harvest. You can't do God's part, but God won't do your part. The Holy Spirit is not the doer that brings in the harvest. The Holy Spirit is the helper that helps us bring in the harvest. And if I'm not bringing it in, then I don't need any help. Let me go ahead and say this, and I'm going to repeat it at the end of the message today. The reason most Christians are not experiencing the power of God is because they're simply not doing the things God has called us to do. I don't need help to do nothing. I don't need help. Right, I go home in the evenings, and I got this wonderful Lazy Boy recliner, and I kick back in that thing. And when I kick back in that recliner, I typically don't need help going to sleep. Come on, somebody. I don't need help to do nothing, but I need help to bring in the harvest. I need help to do what Jesus did. I need help to live the life God has called me to live. I need help to go where God's called me to go and do what God's called me to do and reach who God's called me to reach. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. But if I'm not doing my part, then I don't need help. And many Christians are living natural lives. They're not seeing the power of God. They're not seeing souls saved. They're not seeing disciples made. They're not seeing the works of the devil destroyed. They're not seeing healings. They're not seeing miracles. They're not seeing signs. They're not seeing wonders. They're not hearing, getting visions and seeing and dreams. They're not moving in the supernatural. They're not seeing provision come by the hand of God and the grace of God. Why? Because most Christians aren't doing what Jesus did. Because we've defined our own Christianity, which means I go to church and I come home. And I live a moral life. But how many know it's more than that? How many know God is calling us higher? I mean, this is not about coming to church and sitting in a chair every Sunday for an hour and a half listening to somebody preach. This is about us being empowered and equipped to do what God has called us to do so we can go out there and do the work and the Holy Spirit can help us by breathing on our natural, the supernatural power of God. And then souls start getting saved and drug addicts get set free and dead people start getting up. Pastor Keith, you really believe that'll happen? Absolutely. I'll read the Bible. I believe everything that they did, we can do. Jesus actually said, I could do everything he did in greater works than he did, and so can you, but I need the helper of the Holy Spirit. But I've got to do what he did. Amen? So let me say this one more time, and I'm going to back up, and we're going to move on. The harvest doesn't come in. The harvest has to be brought in by laborers. I was coming to church this morning and the Lord asked me this question. He said, Keith, who are you bringing in today? 
Who are you bringing in today? It's a good question. See, what we have a religious view of Christianity and church, and we get up and we go to church, and nobody's thinking about who I'm bringing with me. We're just thinking about, can I get there in time and not be late? And the realization is we have a distorted view of Christianity and we're missing out on the power of God because we're praying for the Lord of the harvest to bring in the harvest, but the Lord of the harvest brings in the harvest by sending laborers in the harvest because we have authority on earth. His power through our natural authority as a man, as a woman, can change the world. But we got to be willing to do what Jesus did. Y'all still with me? Y'all still love me this morning? Praise the Lord. I love y'all. This was a little harder than I thought it was going to be. As harder as I meant. Kind of tough. All right, look at that next point. So the Holy Spirit is not a substitute for the church. The Holy Spirit is not a substitute for the church. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to be witnesses for Jesus, declaring and demonstrating His presence and His power. God did not send the Holy Spirit so He could do the church's job. God sent the Holy Spirit to help the church do the church's job. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it's not like we can say, God sick them. You ever prayed one of them prayers? I've prayed a few of them prayers over the years. Lord, I Holy Ghost sick them, you know. And, and, and there may be an element where part of that works. Come on, Holy Spirit. I, I'm not sure. He's not a bulldog. But anyway, maybe he is. I, I'm not sure. Anyway. But the truth is, God is saying to the church, sick them, church, and I'll help you. Reach them, church. And I'll help you. Pray for them, church, and I'll help you. Minister to them, church, and I'll help you. Holy Spirit's not a substitute for the church. The Holy Spirit came to empower the church. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we know this scripture, and you shall receive power, dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite, supernatural power, miraculous power. And you shall be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. Telling people about me, Jesus said, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit is not a substitute. He is the empowerment of God in our lives to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Look at the next point. This is the last point on your outline, but not the last point for the message. So y'all bear with me. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps us do the works Jesus did and even greater works. And I told you I was going to repeat this. Here it is. The reason many Christians are not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit is simply because they're not doing what Jesus did. Now, what I want to do in just the last few minutes here is I, I want to show us how we can do what Jesus did and how it's not this mystical, super spiritual thing. How we can do what Jesus did. And if we'll start doing what Jesus did, the Holy Spirit will breathe on it. He'll breathe His breath of life on it. He will help us do the supernatural when we step out by faith in the natural to obey God. Amen? So let me give you just four things. They're going to put them on the screen. If you're a note taker, you can write them down. So the Holy Spirit can't help us bring people to Jesus if we are not witnessing to lost people. The Holy Spirit can't help us bring people to Jesus if we're not witnessing to lost people. 
He can't help us bring in the harvest if we're not telling people how to be saved. He can't help us bring people to salvation if we're not telling people how to get saved. Statistics say over 90% of Christians will never lead one person to Christ. Over 90%. You know why? Because most Christians aren't telling people about Jesus. They're not telling people how to get saved. They're not telling people how to be born again. They're not telling people what Jesus said or the Bible says it requires for a person to come out of darkness into light. But let me give you some good news. Let me, let me give you an easy way to be a witness for Jesus. Because being a witness is simply testifying. What does a witness do? You put a witness on the witness stand and they testify of what they have seen and what they have heard. So being a witness for Jesus does not mean you've got to memorize 45 scriptures. It means you've got to be willing to tell other people what you have seen and what you have heard based on the truth of God's Word. So let me show you how it works. Witnessing is not telling lost people how lost they are. Witnessing is not telling lost people how lost they are. I learned a long time ago, lost people don't have to be told how lost they are. Evil people don't have to be told how evil they are. Wicked people don't have to be told how wicked they are. They all kind of have a clue. But even if they don't, even if they're totally deceived about their own sinfulness and their own wickedness, you don't reach lost people by just telling lost people how lost they are. You reach lost people, listen to this, by telling lost people how lost you were. And how Jesus saved you. You testify and witness to other people, not by telling them how lost they are, but telling them how lost you were and how Jesus saved you. And let me give you, let me give you a great tool. Here's a great open door. Tomorrow, tomorrow, if you work outside of the church office where I work... <laughs> You're going to hear, you're going to probably have at least five opportunities to testify of Jesus. And let me tell you why. Because every time somebody shares a problem, that's your open door to testify. And how many know people love to share their problems? I mean, everybody's got lots of problems, and they love to tell everybody about their problems. So the next time somebody shares with you their problem, that is your opportunity to be a witness for Jesus Christ and testify because this is how it works. If they say, I'm having financial problems and we're really struggling financially, probably all of us in this room at one time or another have had some financial problems. And you can say, man, I can relate with that. Let me tell you something. There was a time in my life, man, we, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. We were struggling. We, the power got cut off. This happened. That happened. But you know what happened? Man, we were struggling as hard as we ever struggled. And, and then we finally, one day, you know, we started going to church. And then we, we, we turned to the Lord. And we started seeking God. And we heard about this tithing and giving thing. We started tithing and giving. And I'll tell you what's crazy. What's crazy is, is now all of our bills are paid. We got more money to, to enjoy our family than we've ever had before. And we're giving away more money than we've ever given in our entire lives. Because we just turned our hearts to the Lord. We realized God had a financial plan for our life that was so much better than the way we were living our lives. And then somebody says, man, you know what? We're having marital problems and my wife's doing this or my husband's doing this. And if you've been married for one day, you've had marriage problems. Right? 
And you can say, man, I can relate. Man, let me tell you about it. Man, my wife, we used to argue. We used to fuss. It was horrible. I mean, it was like we hated each other. But one day I prayed. Or one day somebody reached out to me and they told me about the love of Jesus. And I turned my heart to God. One, one day I realized how prideful I was. and I just humbled myself before the Lord. And God's restored our marriage. And we were on the brink of divorce. I mean, we were so close. We were about to walk away from this thing. But now, now we've been married now for, for five years since that moment. And God has put all the pieces back together. And we are more in love now than we've ever been. See, every time they share a problem, you got an opportunity to testify of what Jesus has done. We don't witness by telling them how lost they are. We witness by telling them how lost we were and how Jesus saved us. And somebody starts talking about, man, how, how they're just living in mental torment and how they're overwhelmed and they don't have any peace and they don't have any joy. And surely there's got to be more for life. You can say, man, I know exactly what you're talking about. Man, I've been there, done that. Man, I, I, was, I was miserable. I was, I was at the bottom of the barrel. I had everything money could buy, but I was empty on the inside until I turned to Jesus. And he saved me and he forgave me. And I've got a peace like I've never had before. And you can have that same peace. Just that simple. And guess what will happen? If you'll do the work of an evangelist, if you will testify, the Holy Spirit will help you and he'll breathe on it. He'll bring conviction and revelation because you can't do that. You can't convict them, but God can. He'll bring conviction and revelation in their eyes and all of a sudden they'll start turning to the Lord. But if we don't do the work of telling people about Jesus, then we don't need the help of the Holy Spirit to bring them in. Amen? Look at that next point. The Holy Spirit can't help us heal the sick if we're not praying over sick people. I just wrote this down. I want to read it to you. So this is not a weird thing. This is not a super spiritual thing. This is a normal Christian thing. How many know Jesus healed the sick, prayed for the blind, prayed for the deaf, prayed for those that were sick and those that were afflicted and those that were demon-possessed. He prayed over them and he healed them of their sickness and of their disease. But the Holy Spirit can't help us heal the sick if we're not praying for sick people. You know what I love about Liberty Church? Every week we're praying over people. Every week we're anointing people with oil. Every week we're laying hands on the sick. Why? Because God heals the sick. And if you'll pray for sick people, the Holy Spirit will breathe on it. And let me just tell you how you can take it even a step further. You're going to go to work tomorrow. Not only are you going to have five opportunities to tell people about what Jesus has done, you're going to have at least two opportunities to pray for somebody that's sick. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to go to work tomorrow, and somebody's going to tell you about their cousin, their brother, their aunt, their own back that's hurting, and I woke up and I, don't, I can't walk anymore. And you, everybody's talking about their sickness and their disease, their pain and their problems. And every time they share their sickness, disease, or their pain in their body, guess what you can do? Let me show you how you do this. It's really simple. You say, man, I tell you what, you know what? I, I believe that God's a healer. And I, I love to, your mom. You said that was your mom. What's her name? Could I, could I write down her name? Would you mind if I started just praying for your mom at home in my quiet time? And then just write her name down and start praying for her. And then next week or two weeks later, say, hey, I've been praying for your mom. How's your mom doing? And they're going to give you an update on their mom. And then you say, well, I tell you what, you know, I've been praying for her every day. Would you mind if me and you, why don't we just pray for her right now? Can I pray with you? Let's just agree together that God's going to heal your mom. 
If they love their mom, they're probably going to say, oh, 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 oh okay. <laughs> Maybe nobody's looking. Let's pray, you know. And then a week or two later, a week or two later, you, you say, hey, I, hey how, how's your mom doing? I, I've been praying for her. I know we prayed for her last week. How, how's, how's your mom doing? Just check it up. I've still been praying for her. And maybe they say, well, she's really gotten worse. Then you say, hey, would you mind? Would you mind? Could, could I just hook up with you after work one day? Could we go over to your mom's house? You know, the Bible says that, that we can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Could we just go over there and lay hands on her and pray over her? We had this lady at church last Sunday. Her name was Wilma Cobb. I mean, she's got healed of cancer. She, she, decided, she decided she wasn't going to die one day before God's intended purpose for her life. And God has healed her and she's cancer free. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're in their house praying for their sick mama. Now, let me just, let me paint the worst picture at all. You pray for her next week, she dies. The person that you pray with, that mama's son or daughter, will grieve the loss of their mom. They may be confused, they may even be mad at God, and they may think God doesn't heal. But they will know that you care. They will know that when all their buddies were thinking about their mom. Don't that just makes me mad when people say, we'll be thinking about you. I'm like, what in the heck's that mean? <laughs> My mama's got cancer and you're going to think about her? <laughs> just go watch TV. That's not going to help. thinking about you. Please don't say that as a Christian. Don't think about people. Pray for people. Pray for people. And that mom may die and that person may get mad. They may get mad at God and they might even get mad at you. But in their heart of hearts, they're going to know nobody else was praying. Nobody else was agreeing with them. And nobody else showed up at mama's house but you. You. And as the Holy Spirit breathes on it, 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 you sowed a seed and you watered it. You sowed a seed and you watered it. And he starts giving increase and he starts giving increase and he starts giving increase and he starts doing what you can't do. Before you know it, your phone's going to ring and they're going to say, hey, can I talk to you? And they're going to want to know how they can have what you have. And that is a faith in Jesus Christ that gives you the confidence and boldness to believe that you could actually lay hands on sick people and they'd recover. Man, that's the power of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us. We can all do that, guys. Every one of us. Let me give you two more thoughts. Y'all still with me? The Holy Spirit can't help us feed the hungry, clothe the naked, or help orphans and widows if we're not doing any of those things. How many you know Jesus actually fed people? Jesus fed the hungry. And in Matthew, Jesus makes this statement. He says to the righteous, he said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous will say to Jesus, Lord, when do we see you in any of those situations? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. How many know God cares? The book of James says that pure religion and undefiled before God is that we care for widows and orphans in their times of need. 
And let me just say this to you. God wants to help us help the hurting. God wants to help us help the broken. God wants to help us help the poor and the needy. But if we're not doing anything, we don't need help. So let me just encourage you. Let me give you a couple practical ways. If you want to start doing what Jesus did and meeting the needs of those that are in need, then reach out to Miss Sharon. Call the church office this week and say, hey, I want to help with our food bank outreach, and I want to help give away food. Or maybe I want to sponsor. Kelly and I, we don't get to show up every Saturday on the, for the food distribution, but Kelly and I, we give $40 a month. For $40 a month, we sponsor two families every month. The small seed, we just sow in to our food bank ministry. But guess what? If I sow a seed, God will give increase to it. If we do what God tells us to do, God will breathe on it, and all of a sudden, he'll help us do what we couldn't do on our own. You want to make a difference in the hearts of broken, hurting people? Then show up on Tuesday night, get with James and Christine, say, I want to help at Celebrate Recovery. I want to minister to people that are hurting. I want to help people who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups find freedom in Christ, and I can just show up and love on people. You can reach out to Ryan and Rachel and you can say, hey, are we going to do that, that room at the end thing this year? I know last year we housed over 300 people and we fed the homeless and, and ministered to the homeless in our community. Hey, how can I get involved? I want to do what Jesus did. And let me be honest, right? you, you, you can't do everything, but you can do something. Ye yesterday was Mother Teresa's birthday. I saw a quote by Mother Teresa and here's what it said. If you, can't feed a hungry, uh, if you can't feed a hundred people, then feed one. Just feed one. And the truth is, we can all feed one. And think about what would happen if we all just fed one. If we all ministered to one. If we all shared the gospel with one. If we all just prayed for one. We could bring in the harvest. Amen. I'm going to give you the last point. Here it is. The Holy Spirit can't help us disciple people. If we're not leading a small group, attending a small group, or meeting with people with a kingdom purpose. I'm not saying the only way you can make disciples is as an organized small group, but I am saying the way that we make disciples, which is the great commission from Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples, is we actually have to meet with people intentionally. For the purpose of the kingdom of God. We have to meet with people intentionally for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Because discipleship happens in the context of relationships. It's when we get out of the roles and we start getting in some circles with some people that iron starts sharpening iron and we start encouraging one another and we can pray together and we can minister together and we can grow together and we can reach out together and we can touch the world together and we can have friendships and relationships that change our lives. But the Holy, Holy Spirit can't help us disciple people if we're not meeting with people. And as, as much as I love Sunday morning, Sunday morning is, is an awesome place. But discipleship happens outside of our Sunday morning gatherings. I hope you're growing. I hope you're learning. I hope you're being challenged. But the reality is, is we need each other and we, we need conversations that are around the Word of God. We need conversations around the life, life's problems so that we can look to God together. 
Everybody in this room is going through something. And everybody in this room is in a different season in your life and you're battling things that maybe you've never battled before. Wouldn't it be great to know that you could gather together with other people who maybe were in the same season that you're in? Or maybe a season or two ahead of you and you could from those relationships gathered around the Word of God, gathered around prayer, you could create community and connection and we could actually begin to make disciples of all nations. We could make disciples of all nations. I picked on Forrest. Many of you know Forrest Van Zant, one of our elders here at the church. He's a big fisherman. And I picked on Forrest last service. I said, I said, Forrest, I said, you realize a lot of people make this statement. Well, Pastor Keith, I hear it a lot. They'll say, Pastor Keith, you know, I go to church on Sunday when I'm out there in my fishing boat and I'm fishing. I'm at church. I'm just having church with Jesus. You can have prayer with Jesus in the boat. In the tree stand at the shopping mall. You can pray to Jesus. You can, you can read your Bible in the boat, in the stand, at the shopping mall. But you can't have church there. And let, let me tell you why. The word ecclesia means the gathering together. It's an assembling of people around a common purpose. And if I get together with another guy and sit in a boat for eight hours to throw my rod into the thing, the common purpose is not Jesus. The common purpose is fishing. Now, there's nothing wrong with me fishing. But that's not necessarily what Jesus is calling us to do unless you're fishing for people. Come on, somebody. And so I've got to do those things. I've got to get in a group. I've got to connect with people. I've got to begin to meet together with others in a context that creates life-giving relationships and cultivates that. So today, let me just make a quick plug. Today, right after service... If you are interested in leading a small group, if you're interested in hosting, opening your home to host a small group, and maybe you're like, Pastor Keith, I want to do what Jesus said to do. I, I want to I make disciples. I want to connect relationally. I want to gather around the Word of God in prayer, and I want to build friendships. I, I want to have people that I can hang out with, not just at church. Actually, I want to hang out with people after church during the week. I might go with Kevin and drive my Jeep up a big rock and Hope it don't flip over. Or I might go with James and go on a hike and hike the Appalachian Trail. I might go with Donnie and go fishing, but he probably wouldn't want me because I'm not a good fisherman. Maybe he would. Yeah, he'd let me go. He said he would. And all those things are fun and good, and we need that. We need that, but we also need that connection where we're coming together on purpose. You think about your job for just a minute. Every day, hopefully, people show up on purpose because we're accomplishing a task. We're doing something. Right? We're not just showing up to show up. Maybe some people are showing up just to get a paycheck, but we hope that's not why they're just showing up. We hope they're showing up because we got a job to do. we got a task to accomplish. we got a mission to fulfill. What if the church showed up that way too? What if we started showing up, not just in church on Sunday morning, please keep coming, please keep coming on Sunday, but what if we started showing up in small groups and we started connecting and building relationships where I knew that Ryan was facing something at work and I could really pray for him because, man, we're talking every week. And I'm laughing at his corny jokes, and he likes my really cool shirts. Wouldn't that be awesome? And all that, think about that. All that happens just by doing what Jesus did. Jesus gathered the 12, and then he gathered the three. And he understood he could minister to multitudes, but he had to disciple a few. And I got to get small so I can get big we got to grow smaller so we can grow larger. And that's the way the kingdom of God works because that's discipleship. 
So I want to encourage you. If you're interested today, hang out after service in the cafe. We'll feed you from food. We've got some child care for your kids. It'll be a great time. But more importantly, I want to challenge all of us. Hey, let's do this thing. The Holy Spirit is not the doer. The Holy Spirit is the helper. So let's just bow our heads for a second. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. and I'm going to try to land this plane really quickly so we can get into our small group meeting and we've got a funeral coming in in just a couple hours but I want our prayer teams to come and I want to go ahead and open the altar right now and maybe you you need prayer maybe you just need somebody to pray with you maybe you need somebody to come into agreement with you maybe maybe there's something stirred in your heart today that the Holy Spirit's spoken to you and and you say, Pastor Keith, I'm, I'm ready to just step out. I want to be a doer. I want, I want to be a laborer in the harvest. I, I don't want to just sit back and watch. I don't want to just have this religious mind, mindset that says God's going to do all the hard work and, and we're just going to be here to catch the harvest. No, I want to be the laborers in the harvest. I want to do the things that Jesus did. So if you need prayer right now for any reason, maybe you need healing in your body. We'd love to anoint you with oil and pray over you. Maybe you've got a loved one you're praying for and you want to go out this week and, and you want to begin to bring in the harvest by just sharing with them your story of how Jesus saved you. So right now the altar's open. If you need prayer, I want you to come. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never been saved. You've never accepted Christ. Maybe you're watching online. I don't know where you're joining us from this morning, but I'm glad you're here. And maybe you need Jesus this morning. And you realize, Pastor Keith, I'm not saved. If I were to die right now, I, I would spend eternity separated from God. But I believe Jesus died on the cross, and I want to come to him today. If that's you, I, I want you just in this building right now, if that's you, you want to be saved. I want you just to stand to your feet. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. This is your opportunity just to say, I want to be saved today. I want to be saved. I want to accept Christ as my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, just stand to your feet all over this building. If you need prayer, you come. But if you want salvation this morning, you want to be forgiven of your sins and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right now is the time. Maybe you're watching online. Just hit that, hit that little emoji there or just type in that chat box. I'm standing up, Pastor Keith. And I want us to pray this prayer. As he's praying the altar, let's pray this prayer together out loud. All of you join me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Congratulations and welcome to the family. If you prayed that prayer this morning, amen. We can give the Lord a little hand clap of praise, amen. We love you guys so much. We count it an honor, Kelly and I, to be able to lead North Alabama's greatest church. What a blessing it is to be a part of each and every one of your lives. We do love you. And again, uh, encounter registration, uh, opportunities to serve, and small group meeting in the cafe. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great day in the Lord. We love you guys.